Welcome to the 80th edition of Make Pro Wrestling Majestic Again. I am still your Majestic Champion, Tiger Height. And I am still not your Majestic mm. Champion, Peanut Gallery. Well, if one person is the champion, the other person by default is not the champion. That's true. So we have two big pay-per-views in our segments here, but let's first talk about historic um, historic crossover, but they did an X instead of a cross. Number one, two thumbs up show. Yeah, that was pretty this good. This was a lot better than I thought. Um, and it got me really curious about startup. Yes, like, it did. There was a lot of great explanation on yep. why certain things are happening. And I'm like, I'm learning, and they just did really good. It, it was show. a good if, – if this was your first time seeing Japanese wrestling, which for a lot of people it is, uh, yep. Japanese women's wrestling, uh, this was a good showcase, I think. I think it was. I agree with you. But let's kick off with our first match, which was Chaos and Leo Rush taking on House of Torture – uh, the match itself, I'll give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, I'll give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I, th I thought overall the pacing was good for it, yeah. but maybe a little more action would have been fine. Yeah. And thank God they have really churned back on the amount of interference yes, the House of have. Torture has been doing. Yep. And it is just it's good. so much better. Yeah. It's not as like hit you in the face, hit you in the face, hit you in the face. Yep. But it was a modified 3K for Leo Rush and Yo to win. They yep. will be the. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're in the junior tag league. It was yes, it was a showcase essentially for the junior tag league. Is right, what it because was. Uh, Leo Rush and Yo are going to be a team, and I think it's going to be Show and Dick Togo. I could be wrong yeah, about I that. Yeah, you're right about that. But yes, uh, Chaos and Rush won. It was yep. always good. So let's do uh, Queen's Quest taking on Dona Del Mondo. This was a fun match. I like this a lot. Uh, there was a good explanation on how we got to this point from commentary. Yes, commentary did an excellent job with explaining all of this. And the one thing that I noticed, and I think this match was like the first introduction to it, Stardom's theme songs are so freaking cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were very grandiose. I'm like, yeah. does everybody have an entrance that feels like you are, like, emerging from a plane wreckage? Right. Like, in an epic way. So I'm going to so give weird. it a thumbs up. I'm going to give it a full um, thumbs up, too. Because I didn't know what to expect going forward, but I think they did a pretty good job with, with all the introduction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, definitely a good showcase yes. to start off. So let's do our next one, which was uh, Sui and Tom Lawler taking on Zach, Sam Zach Saber Gazelle, because that's what they named it. Zach Saber Julia. Julia. Is it Julia? Yes, it is Julia. It's a spelling. Yeah, like, I know. The spelling is very So, weird. anyways, uh, full thumbs up. Yes, excellent match. This was excellent awesome. storyline. Um, you know the Tom only is very the only the only awkward thing was Suri and Julia kind of teaming up for a little bit. Yeah, they attacked uh, they attacked Tom Lawler for some reason. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think I think they were trying to get them out of the ring so that they can start fighting. I guess, but it was just like kind of out of nowhere. It was very strange. But Tom Lawler's great. Yeah. He's so good. He has great charisma. People love him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, they just have to continue with Lawler. But it was a 450 – oh, not the 450, excuse me. It was a roll-up with the bridge for Sabre to pick up the victory for his team. Just I just really like this match. Yeah. I also really – this is another match where uh, there is a great gel yeah. with NJPW guys and Stardom Girls. Yes. Like, there's, like, team. Yeah, there's, like, teamwork. Uh, Desperado and Sunday, uh, Sunlight Kid yeah. is another great example where they had the half-match. Yeah, Starlight Kid, you mean. You I said, said Starlight. Sunlight. No, you said Sunlight. 
I said Starlight. No, you said. I know, I know for a fact. Okay, it's Starlight. you go back and, and review that. So I probably, s- I probably did say the incorrect name. So it was, um, so it is a subsect of Queen's Quest, but they're called um, Meltair. I, th- I butchered that immensely. Yeah, you're pretty and, good butcher a lot of these things. Yeah, it's it's literally brand fresh and new Japanese wrestling names. I'm gonna butcher them. That's like, true. Just get over it. And Suzuki Gun taking on Black Desire. At the very least, it was in English. And, well, Suzuki Gun. And what I really liked is that they explained that in stardom, people and factions face people and factions all the time. And they wanted to showcase that dynamic in a way. And I think they actually did that quite well. Yeah, I think they did a pretty good job with that. Oh, by the way, this was a full thumbs up. Yeah, it was a thumbs up. I really really like the interaction with everybody. I find it hard with this pay-per-view to find a match that really stood out to me as bad. So (laughs) There was a lot of matches that were great and a possible match of the year contender. Yes. But we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, This one was just really good, and it was the Black Bethesda for Taichi to pick up the victory for his team. Just overall, a nice, well-paced six or a eight-band, an eight-person tag team match. There we go. Just really good stuff. It's gonna take me a minute. The intergender stuff is gonna take me a minute here. Okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not bad. Okay, I'm I'm a, I'm a good boy. So let's see, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Utami. I'm not even gonna try that. Utami taking on Hiroki Goto and Maika. And this was a very good match. It was, it was okay. Utami probably has the coolest theme song I have ever heard. It was so majestic. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, I want this as like my ringtone forever. Right. Which it will most likely will be. <laughs> but anyway, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi slapping that shit out of Micah during the match. I'm like, whoa, this right? is not very easy. This is very, no. <laughs> But you know what? There was a lot more of that intergen- the inter- the intergender the re- intergender um, interaction. There we go. But overall, I thought they did it in a way that it was still tasteful. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of intergender interactions. I made that clear. But I thought in the way they did this pseudo well, in a way that there, and it was a hijack bomb for Tanahashi's team to win. Overall, still a thumbs up match, definitely. Let's do those Igbernables de Japón taking on United Empire. This was such a difficult match for me I to have decide never, who was going to I win. have never seen Gideon Gray, but I like Gideon Gray. Yeah, me too. I really like the chicken shit, right. I am a money mark right. guy, and they really put that out there is that he is a money mark. Yeah. Because they're trying to explain it to this uh, Japanese wrestler who was on English commentary yep. for some reason. That was the only thing. I, she didn't really contribute a lot. Um, she was, it was second language. Right. She was trying her best to get involved. And there were parts where she was trying to express a point, but it was difficult for her because it was her second language. Right. So she would say it in that was, Japanese. I think, I think that was the only low point for me was just having that third commentator. It didn't really... Do very well. She she didn't really contribute what she was put there to contribute right. to. And she probably would have been fine if she was in the Japanese commentary. Right. Because when she could not express her opinion in English, she would revert to Japanese because one of them is the Japanese translator. Right. So he could he could understand right. it, but she couldn't. Right. So I would say that, yes, overall, but she tried her best. She did. I'm at least going to say that. 
Uh, overall, I thought this match was fun. I thought it was very energetic. We got a lot of great dynamics here, too. And really is a good showcase for pretty much everybody. I would even say more on the side of United Empire yes. than it was United for Empire, LAJ. Yeah, United Empire had a lot of their younger talents on Right, and, on Gray, and Gray just joined them, like, in right. August right. of this year. And that's what so. I mean by younger. I mean, like, younger in terms of, like, they haven't been with United Empire for nearly as long. Right. LIJ, they've been a thing forever. Right, they have. And it was actually um, Coriolis for Aussie Open to pick up the victory for yep. United Empire. Definitely a thumbs up. I yep, like the thumbs match. Up. A good dynamic, a nice palate cleanser. Yes. That's the other thing. It was a nice, fun palate cleanser match that right. really needed to happen. Uh, this one was rough. It uh, was. Chaos and the Great Muda taking on United Empire. I love the story of. Great Okan and Great Muda, yep. they expressed that very well, but they did say that this was the Great Muda's last New Japan Pro Wrestling match yes. on this tour. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It wasn't, it wasn't a very good send-off, let's put it that way. No, this was so bad. I mean, okay, I complained about Jushin Thunder Liger's send-off in a couple years ago, Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. and now it's at least at Wrestle Kingdom. Right. Why isn't the great Muda, who I will even arguably say is a bigger star than Jushin Liger, why was he... Well, isn't, isn't he more of an all-Japan guy? Or yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, he's more of that guy, but this is the great Muda. This is something a little bit different on a much different level. The, the exposure to Japanese wrestling in the 90s would not be where it was without the great Muda. Right. I would say but even more than Jushin Liger. Right. But there, there's, I think they're saving that match for something more special with another promotion. I know, but at the same time, if you want to do the send-off for New Japan, it should have been a wrestle. I mean, this is the, I mean, if it was anybody else, I probably would have agreed with you, but this is the great Muda. Yeah. Much different. But, man, he is... Oh man, they gotta get this thing done quick because he is definitely—he like, is definitely starting to show that he is not very good. I'm gonna give an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I am as well. Um, it really was. So this probably would be the weakest match of the night for me. I would—I will have to agree with you, unfortunately, because everybody else, bless their hearts, they tried their best. Yes. Um, Great Mood is just not where he is anymore. He's no. not, not where he's at. The knee surgeries, yeah. the back injuries, it all is just really yeah. starting to get to him and it's like if this is really going to be a send-off we should probably run this back and have maybe a match that would be right. more akin to what he is you know known for exactly. instead of this random six man exactly because that's where i think at least with jushin ligers it was with everybody who was within his career right so at least there was that attachment but other than the great okan one and maybe the uh, Toro Yano. Right. Who else? Right. So, so there it was go. just very strange. Oh, by the way, it was a, a Rainmaker on Hinare to pick up the victory. Great Muda wasn't even involved in the ending. Right. Like, what? Very strange. Um, this was a two thumbs up match for Oh, me. absolutely. This two was thumbs an up. Excellent match. There we go. So it was uh, Will Ospreay and Shota Unimo, and I did not know this until this match, but he is the son of Red Shoes. Yep, and, that's, and that played a factor in I really like the way that, that Will Ospreay uh, reacted in the ring. It, mm -hmm. it really kind of showcased that. Also, I really like the Hayabushi uh, tribute that Will Ospreay was wearing and where he got involved with the daughter of Hayabushi saying, do I have your blessing to showcase this? for your father, right. who recently passed away. And then also, 
uh, the gear is going to be auctioned off for charity, mm-hmm. which I think is a great thing. Kind of weird to have that for a heel, but right. we're just going to roll with it. Uh, overall, this was a very good match. A well-paced thing, and this was the coming out for Shota, I yes. think. I think they should build something around Shota yep. Unimo. He is... Very good for his age. He's 25. Yeah, he is very good at what he does. Oh, yeah. And it was the Stormbreaker for Osprey to win, but you gotta talk about the... We gotta talk about what happened afterwards. Guess who's coming back? New Japan after his four-year hiatus. Kenny Omega. He is going to be facing Will Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom for the United States Championship. That one's gonna steal the show. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited for it. It's like, oh... This is the past. This is Kenny Omega taking on the person who everybody is saying replaced Kenny Omega in New Japan with Will Ospreay. So um, I'm excited for it. Yep, me too. All right, Overall, a great, a great way to get into it. And also very basic, too, yeah. and I really like that. All right, main event. In our main event, we have Mayu Iwatami taking on Kyrie for the inaugural IWGP Women's Champion. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. up. This this. This might be your match of the year contention. There is there is a contention for this to be match of the year. It was paced so great. It was the showcase was right there yep. of one of the daughters of Stardom because that's what they call like the pillars of right. Stardom where Kyrie was that taking on Iwatami who is the future. Right. And even though Kyrie won. Iwatami did not look weak in defeat. Right. Was... And it was very wise that they chose someone like Kyrie because she has more of the international mm-hmm. appeal than... I mean, Mayu Iwatami's been wrestling with AEW, and that really is helping her in that Right, but, but she doesn't... There's a much different level. Kyrie is a former the... NXT women's champion. WWE champ- women's, women's champion. tag team yeah. champions. Uh, wrestled at WrestleMania, a much bigger right. star in comparison internationally. Right, so that's so, what they're they were looking out for because the next title defense I think is on the 29th. or is it? No, I think I think the next one is at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay, that's what I thought. The, yes. the 29th is the uh, Stardom Women's Champion. Yes. yes oh, right. by the way, so what they do with the Women's Champions because they were in there everywhere. Right. But how they name their champions is very unique. So the main women's champion for stardom is called the women of stardom champion yeah right but there was also the wisdom of stardom champion the goddess of stardom champion which is one of their tag team champions they're not they don't distinguish them based on other names other than blank of stardom champion and i think that's really unique and with the iwgp women's champion this is breaking that mold right and how they're going to go forward with how they're defending it who can go for it? What they're doing is going to be everything for the prestige of this champion. Right. They started out strong, but is this going to be a shared champion with other women's promotions in it, around the world? Or what are they going to be doing with it? Right. Because, we don't know. Because there isn't a set roster right. for New Japan for women. Right. Stardom is that other branch. Right. So, so, anyways, uh, overall great show. A great show. Yep. Awesome Two show. Two thumbs up. I didn't have – the expectations weren't the highest, to but be honest, they, but it exceeded they, my expectations. Yes, they exceeded my expectations to the nth degree. I was a bit worried on introducing a brand-new promotion into an international audience, but I think they did it very well. Mm-hmm. The showcase was great. The main event was great. Everything was there. Mm-hmm. So this was probably one of my favorite crossover 
um, things. I think this blew Forbidden Door out of the water oh, yeah, by absolutely. a country mile. But overall, just a great show. So when we come back, Peanut Gallery. What are we talking about? We're going to talk about why women's wrestling in Japan is so damn popular. All right. We'll be back for that. All right. And we are back. Peanut Gallery. Take it away. All right. So um, I did a little bit of research today into why women's wrestling in Japan is so strong in terms of its popularity uh, and, and why it sustained that popularity where other women and women's wrestling promotions around the world had failed. And I think that there are three key reasons, and I think all three of them were showcased. And the first one I want to talk about is the fact that Japan has separate women's and men's wrestling promotions. And they've had this for a very long time. they've had it for a very long time. Now, the, the theory behind this is that when you have a mixed gender wrestling promotion, there are eras in which women are cast a little bit differently. They're not booked the best. Um, so you have eras like the Attitude Era where they're booked as eye candy. You have Ruth's Aggression. You have, uh, you know, the Women's Revolution. And I'm just talking from the perspective of the United States. And we're even going back to maybe even to the 40s when they were uh, booked as right. special attractions, not exactly. like as main um, roster. But in Japan, because it, there were women-only promotions, they were booked much better. Um, you know, and a great example that someone brought up is someone like Gail Kim in WWE, who is arguably one of the greatest professional wrestlers in the, the 2000s era, but we just didn't get to see her full potential within the WWE because of how she was booked. Now you compare that to her time in TNA, and she really got to showcase what she was capable of. A night and day difference. Um, yeah, and so I, I think that... Having that separation really helps, especially in the 90s when women's wrestling in the States was not very popular. Um, it was very popular in Japan. Uh, right. The second reason I want to highlight is the fact that they were very, they were much more innovative. Um, you had women's death matches like what you see here long before uh, WWE and the like even thought about putting women in matches like this. Right. Um, so the, the, uh, the room that they had for innovation, um, not just in character development and in usage, but also in the t styles of matches that they were able to perform. Um, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the most popular women Japanese wrestlers out of the '90s were people that participated in these hardcore death matches, mm -hmm. um, for example. Um, so you know, and I think a lot of it too. Uh, brings me to my third point is that they're much more marketable and by that I mean if you look at Japanese culture in general you see that there are there's just a lot of merchandise there's a lot of things around characters and when you have more colorful characters you tend to get more merchandise out of them that's just how Japanese culture is Women's professional wrestling in Japan really got to highlight a lot of that Japanese culture along with the way that they dress, for right. example. Ja Japanese, the, in Japanese culture, some of their most popular like pop stars right. and stuff like that, they're women. And they've been that way for a very long yep. time as well. Yep. Um, you know, where, whereas, in, again, in America and in other places around the world, women are not booked that way. They're, they're, they're not merchandised that way. Well, n not back then, but right. now they are. We're a little bit behind the curve as it relates right. to marketable women. Right, and and 
you know, it's not very known outside of Japan. These women wrestling promotions are not very well known outside of Japan, but they do produce a lot of great stars, as we were able to see tonight. And hopefully in the future, we'll be able to see a lot more of them do these excursions out to the States uh, to kind of showcase their talent there. Um, You know, you think in the WWE, you think of a character like Asuka, and you look at how colorful she is and how marketable her her merchandising is and her brand and her style. That is essentially what we saw tonight with Stardom. Yeah, look at uh, at, like Awesome Kong is another great example where... It was a gaijin, but she really became popular in Japan. And when she right. went to TNA, because of the character that she hard, was able to and, develop, and also that style of a right. hard hitting woman, mm. that was very different yes. even back in the yeah. day. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much in a nutshell why women's professional wrestling in Japan is so popular. Um, do you have anything that you would like to add? Uh, no, I will. Well, I, yes, I do actually. Uh, I think the. Points that you have made are going to be illustrated a lot more when we get to the wrestling lesson because there is a big correlation between why the Japanese women's wrestling is so popular now to the history of Japanese women's wrestling because they are very tightly correlated right. with each other. Right, and and they all know each other. It's just, it's just this huge circuit. But, yeah, that's kind of what I got. It's, it's just... Very hard hitting. It's it's the style of Japanese wrestling that you're used to, but with women. <laughs> yep, exactly. So when we come back, we're gonna be talking about the history of women's wrestling in Japan, and that will be here in a minute.
So we are back, and I want to talk about the history of women's wrestling in Japan and Japanese women's wrestlers because they are very tightly correlated with how they're perceived nowadays, like with Peanut Gallery's part with how they are perceived. So the All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling Association was the first promotion that was built back in, 1940, in 1955 is when they started. And how the... And this is kind of where you got that culture of there aren't women and men with a mix. It was a women's wrestling promotion that did their own thing. So in a way, they don't ride the coattails off of possibly more marketable men. They had to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And also the women's – some of the biggest stars at this time, and I touched upon it last week – the June Byers went to Japan. Mildred Burke went to Japan. Mae Young went to Japan. And they really brought a different culture of wrestling to not only that market, but also to America because they also did some training over there as well. And even back then, the women's wrestling, especially gaijin wrestlers, mm -hmm. are attractions. So even in the 50s, they would build an entire show around women saying, this is women's wrestling, this is ladies wrestling, and that was it. Right. You didn't get midgets. You did not – yes, midgets is outdated, but it's midget wrestling. Right. Deal with it. Or men. It was only women. And I think that's very important to the popularity of it now because Mildred Burke – and Mae Young were huge mm -hmm. and very influential back in the early 1900s in professional wrestling, and especially with the NWA and their power. Mm -hmm. So, and also NWA went over there as well. There were a couple of other promotions as well. There was the Worldwide Women, or the World Women's Wrestling Association, which was Mildred Burke's company that did a ton of tours in Japan. But you also had the Women's Pro Wrestling Federation, where they had the – that was the first women's promotion, but it really did not um, go really well. It was 1938 – or 1948 to 1949. That's yeah. literally the date so, of that So, you know, promotion. and keep in mind that at this time, too, American culture was being propagated into Japan. Like, right. American culture was starting to become very popular. So – uh, you know, I mean, this is the same era that brought baseball to Japan. So yep. there we go. And, you know, this was – and the and the um, the All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling Association, despite them falling in the mid-50s – or, I'm sorry, the mid-70s, they were the first ones to put women's wrestling into big, grandiose sporting arenas. Mm -hmm. That was never done. Even in America, they never did that. Right. I mean, it took them a minute. Now – in the 60s, when it fell, it was resurrected in 1967, but the main pusher was made, or was Fabulous Moolah. Mm -hmm. Fabulous Moolah went to Japan for certain tours, realized how popular it was, and reignited the, the All Japan Women's Association. And her rivalry with another female star, uh, let's see, where was her name? It was just Takashi... Matagua, I butchered that immensely, but that's fine. This was essentially the fabulous Moolah and uh, Wendy Richter rivalry, mm -hmm. not only back in the day, but in Japan. And these ladies beat the crap out of each other. Uh, they kept it shoot because May, because fabulous Moolah, despite what people say, 
was a hard-hitting badass bitch back in the 60s despite what what some people thought and she thought she could bully around the japanese women mm-hmm. at this time as well as also being the booker but the japanese women they're not going to cut that right so it didn't last too long with may young as the or fabulous or who i keep they're interchangeable i mean i'm sorry they were so associated with each other right but uh, fabulous moolah definitely there now another thing that we have to think about as well is who was putting on women's wrestling mm-hmm. and pina gallery as a person who likes architecture does this building look familiar nope are you sure i'm pretty sure it's a one-of-a-kind building in japan it is the Fuji Broadcasting Center. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this. And number one, I just wanted to showcase the building. It's a neat building. But the Fuji TV, which was a huge channel back in the 60s, mm-hmm. only put on women's pro wrestling. Okay. Because the chairman of that organization was a huge proprietor of women's wrestling. Well, that probably certainly helped then women's pro wrestling maintain that grip in Japan. Yeah, it was one of the biggest uh, distributors. Now, if with Fuji TV, I don't think it's really too much around anymore, but think of like Ted Turner right. level of importance in right. the 80s to this Japan, this show in the 60s. Right. So it showcased women's wrestling all the time. Uh, only a couple of promotions, though. They really did not go outside of that. They wanted the WWWA in there, but because the WWWA primarily did their stuff in America, it was hard for them to have that distinction. Right. So they put on supercars, and they really did a lot of promotion for women's wrestling back in the day. And I think you're right. I think the promotion and the influence with Fuji TV was a huge marketable aspect of women's wrestling. And that's why it succeeded possibly where others have failed in other regions. Right, exactly. So they continue to do that, and another person, and I think a lot of these women, especially these gaijins that are influential in there, this is Judith Montana, and she was a, obviously, NWA Women's Champion, but also she took over the reins of the Japanese Women's Association in the 70s when fabulous moolah was pushed out Mm -hmm. and she wanted to and she wanted to do more of the the babyface women's wrestlers versus the heel gaijins especially north americans because there was still just that little influence of the bombs right back even in the 70s it took it took japan a minute to kind of get over what we did to them for obvious reasons. So this continued on for quite some time, and the promotion unfortunately went defunct again in the 1980s. Now, it was pretty much dormant up until the early 2000s. There was still women's wrestling, mm-hmm. but it wasn't to the popularity that it was during the Fabulous Moolah, June Byers, right. and et cetera, et cetera days. They were kicked off of Fuji TV. It didn't work out. But when I wanted to showcase the Amazing Kong, because in 2004, she made her debut in Japan. This was not only important for Gaijin, but it was important for the Japanese women's wrestling and also internationally. Mm -hmm. Because this was the first time when they were promoting not only 
a larger woman, a gaijin larger woman, but an African American mm-hmm. gaijin woman. And this was very monumental and still somewhat controversial because Japanese culture is very predicated on racism. I'm yes, sorry. They are. Look it up. Deal with it. They still do blackface. Yeah. Um, and then Asha Kong, obviously another international big person. But then there was also another one that I did not hit on. But I think it's important to show Amazing Kong because she was in the same situation like Bull Nakano was mm-hmm. in the WWF. Keep in mind of who Bull Nakano wrestled primarily back in that day, which was Alundra Blaze, mm-hmm. one of the most popular women's wrestlers at that time. And I think it really showcases how not only do Americans perceive Japanese women's wrestling even back in the early 90s with mm-hmm. Bull Nakano, but also in the 2000s with Amazing Kong right. on how she was booked. Right. She was booked in Shimmer. She was booked in Shine. She was booked with the All Japan Women's Promotion, the association, because it, it came back like four or five times. Uh, nowadays, it does not exist because new characters came into the crowd and really took it over. So the All Japan, the All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling Association went finally defunct in 2004 and it was taken over by shimmer and shine for a while and then also a promotion called hustle mm-hmm. but hustle was never really around for that long from 2004 to 2009 shimmer and shine still exist but then in 2010 a new kid on the block came in which was stardom mm-hmm. and today that is the premier place for women's wrestling if you want to be a woman wrestler not only training wise because the all class for women training was in stardom now Mm -hmm. but just that international flair and i think because this is kind of where i'm going to end it with women's wrestling kind of all over the place but i think it really shows the richness of women's wrestling Mm -hmm. and how long it was for, I mean, a very long time, women's wrestling was popular in Japan. Right. And even to this day, it's still very popular. And even with certain racial stereotypes, and Amazing Kong really never had that issue, but uh, racial tensions, the gender mm-hmm. aspect of it, and how they treated it is very important. And I think that's why stardom is where it is is now, is because, not, number one, they have big money backer. But also, they hired on a bunch of pop stars, a bunch of celebrities, and they trained them. And I think that's why stardom works is because they train everybody. Mm -hmm. And they will train anybody to this. So a lot of the stars that you see today, like Kyrie's, like Iwatami's, Tony Storm went through stardom. um, Jamie Hayter went through stardom. Donna Rosa went through stardom. A lot of these women... Got a lot of good training and a lot of good character work with stardom. Right. So uh, women's wrestling, I think, is in a good spot overall, especially with stardom, especially now when America's treating it very serious now. But it's always a good thing. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about how not only are we going to be making AEW full gear, but pro wrestling majestic again. And we are back... Peanut Gallery, let's talk about Full Gear. Number one, 
thumbs up show. Yeah, it was a thumbs up show. It, it wasn't, wasn't a two thumbs up show, but it was definitely a thumbs up yep, show. Yep, it was definitely better than the last one. Oh. And I think a lot of people in the news cycle said it was much better than the last show. Mm-hmm. They're kind of in that rebuilding phase now. Yep, you've got to start to rebuild some stuff, and I think they did that in strikes. But let's talk about the pre-show uh, fairly quickly. So the first one was The Factory taking on Orange Cassidy, Best Friends, Rocky Romero. It was Dan Housen, but he wasn't here. Uh, so number one, it was an Orange Cassidy thumbs down yeah. match. Um, I'm only going to give it the credit because how they did Danhausen in this match was actually very interesting. It was, but eh, you know, it's whatever. It's Danhausen, and it was a pre-show, so I wasn't expecting like a whole lot out of it. The only thing was that you know Orange Cassidy is still incredibly popular. Yes, and it's always a good thing to see. And it was a kick thing for Danhausen to pick up the victory. It was a pre-show match. It didn't really need to be made majestic. It's right. just there. It was there, physically. All right, let's talk about the AEW World Title Eliminator Semifinals because apparently this tournament, despite it to determine the number one contender for their main champion, has to be on the pre-show because fucking reasons. We have Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Uh, the match is off. I'll give you Cassidy. Yeah, it wasn't a bad match. Um... You know, I don't like Ethan Page very much on commentary, so there's that. No. But that's about it. Yeah, I mean, the match itself was wrestled okay. I thought the injury angle was unnecessary. Yeah. And I probably would have not have done that with Ricky Starks. But I just don't, I don't get it. You have this tournament that you've been doing for like a month and a half now. Yeah. This is for the world champion. Why wasn't this on the main show if you were going to do this? Also, why wasn't the finals and full gear? I don't know. I would have I would have gotten it then, but no, the finals are next week on Dynamite. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck? Anyway, it was Rochambeau for Ricky Starks to win. It looks like they might be building for with Starks, which I am okay with overall. Yeah. Whoa. I do not know why that one is all the way down there. That should be up here. There. So in our main event for the pre-show, it was June Akiyama taking on Eddie Kingston. This was a thumbs down. I yeah. hated this match. This was a very sloppy and kind s- of slow. Very stiff. It didn't feel like they planned anything. It yeah. was just a whatever sandwich. And uh, I get it. Kingston, he was influenced with Akiyama, but Akiyama needs to not. Right. Like, seriously. It was a very stiff match. Yep, it was a shuriken for Kingston to win. At the very least, he won. Yeah. If, if Kingston lost to Akiyama in this, he's pretty much dead in the water. But Kingston is still very popular with he the is. fans, so at the very least, they put him on the show. But, you know, once again, did this really have to happen? You know? No. I'm kind of there it on that. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not NWA levels of bad as it relates to putting everybody on the card, but Probably could have skipped this and would have been fine. Yeah. So let's go to our main show and our first match in a steel cage match. Jungle Boy Jack Perry taking on Luchasaurus. Great. Give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. That's a great story. Um, Mm -hmm. The match itself was fine. It was fine. It was a little little too spotty for my taste. It was a little anticlimactic. It was. Yes, it was. I mean, Jungle Boy doing an elbow drop off of the top of the cage was really cool. I do like AEW's cage, though. I think it looks very imposing, and I think it looks neat. Uh, Christian getting involved a couple of times was just not even necessary because he's not right. even – it was a steel cage match. Just have Jungle Boy Luchasaurus. Right. And, you know, it would have been totally fine, but the interferences were a little much. But it was a snare trap for Jungle Boy to win. There was just not really much to say about it 
other than take Christian out, maybe a little more emotion into right. it, we would have been fine. But it's hard to do this when one of them is like that radio silent monster, you right. know? So this is kind of where that is. Why is that here? Why is this weird in a weird spot? Do I have this match already? The bigger match is like falling, following me for some reason. There. <laughs> Move him. Move her up. Okay. So let's go into two thumbs up. Yeah. This was awesome. We had Death Triangle taking on the Elite. Uh, number one, the Foxy and Punk chants were very loud. And, and they I, were amazing. And Cole Cabana's The chance. Cole Cabana chant. People were just like, everything against CM Punk. Right. Because CM Punk is a bitch. But at the, at the end of the day, this match was very good. Yep. The entrance and the emotion were there. And the ending, despite us having issues with the stream, I do know what happened. Because there is that inner dialogue where Phoenix and Pac are having a inner dialogue, like an inner feud of the babyface Phoenix doesn't want to win in a heelish factor where Pac is continuing to want him to do heel tactics. Right. And despite what happened, it was a one-winged angel setup. Phoenix used the hammer, very begrudgingly, roll-up pin. Right. So it keeps the elite strong. It does. You still have that inner rivalry there, and then you keep the titles on there. This is what the trio's champions needs. Right. And I don't. And now they're doing a best of seven, which... Thumbs down for that one. Yeah. You're going to over-egg that pudding. What are you going to do at that point? Right. You know? It's like, do it like a best of five. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Maybe don't do a best of anything. Right. Because, like, okay, does, is this just telling me with all of the six mans that you have, you can't find more contenders for these belts? Like, I just, I don't get it. It should be special, and now they're just going to do it. Dynamite Rampage. Dynamite Rampage. That's not... That's, that's, that's not, not interesting. Right. That's you know? not something I want to see. Right. But anyway, yeah, I mean, at least the match was good, so there you go. Let's do Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose for the TBS champion. I'm going to give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I'm going to give Orange Cassidy a thumbs up. It was better than I expected. Yeah. Um, the entrance of Nyla Rose, I'm not sure if it was a tribute or insulting. I'm kind of leaning more on insulting. Well, Vicky Guerrero was there, so she had to sign off on that. I know, but at the same time... Come on. Also, Vicky Guerrero is wearing a Rhea Ripley shirt, which right? I, which I found to be hilarious. Right. Um, yeah, take a drink. There we go. Well, sorry, I I needed the alcohol to continue with this match. Uh, Jade Cargill dressing as one of the Thundercats. I do like yeah. how Jade changes it up yep. for pay per view. And, and they make they book Jade strong again. So yep. there we go. And Nyla Rose didn't even look that weak in, right. in defeat. They actually did a lot better than I expected. Yeah. Um, for this, I thought this was going to be an all-time stinker because the rivalry has been one of the worst in 2022 yeah. by a mile. Yeah. But then they go into this where I'm like, okay, they did better than I expected. Yeah. It was a jaded for the win. Um, I think the crowd just got kind of hurt because they were exhausted from the six-man tag. It was going to be hard to get people back into it, you know? Right. Let's do our fatal four-way match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Chris Jericho, Claudio Castagnoli, Sammy Guevara, Brian Danielson. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Yeah, it was an okay match. It just it just seems like the Ring of Honor World Championship scene is just kind of all over the place, yeah, and I don't get it. Well, it's like, so Jericho is like open challenge to any former Ring of Honor 
champion. And now he's taking on Tomohiro Ishii for the Ring of Honor World Champion next week on Dynamite. Which leads me to think, does this title really even matter at this point? No. This is a world champion. Right. This is a world championship. You would think that it would be like, oh. And this was, to- yeah, and this was very much overshadowed by the overall rivalry between Jericho Appreciation Society and um, Blackpool Combat Club. Yep. And, they and were- so I felt like it was kind of out of place. But the match itself was okay. Mm-hmm. He's nice. Yeah. Um, Sammy Guevara getting booed out of the building always makes me smile. Yep. Because fuck Sammy Guevara. You know, I'm still somewhat bitter about him. But anyway. I thought overall it was a fine match. It was a leaping Judas effect that totally missed Claudio. So a botched Judas effect right. got the pin. It's like, come on, pick him up and do something else if you're not going to hit him properly with a proper thing, you know? Right. But overall, it was whatever. It was fine. Okay. Right. Let's do this one. Okay, I'm going to give this an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I'm going to give an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. They uh, Soraya looked good, mm-hmm. um, but... They played it very safe in this match, yep. and for good reason they played it safe. It was, it was a very safe match. It was, but I know they could do better. Yes, and you know, for four years you're gonna have some ring rust, but at the same time, get in there and do some fucking drills. Like, what are we doing here? Well, again, there's difference between that and then having a full on match in front of a crowd. So that is true. I I, I understand it. Soraya, Over, Soraya, Soraya overall was, was a decent match. Yes. Soraya was very careful about certain moves and I think with more matches that will not be a thing. Right. There's but that there's that underlying fear. My 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 thing is is that how many matches can Soraya be in this women's division which have histories of dropping people Botching well, that's injuries. why they that's why they chose Britt Baker too. My because Britt Baker is mid at best, and she can only do so much. Well, but that's okay though, because Soraya. Where does she go from here? That's my question. It's like okay, the only other person that I can possibly think of of Soraya even remotely facing at this point is going after the champion. She's too popular to do that. But then you also have Jamie Hader. Now. Right. So who knows? Spoiler alert, by the way. Who knows? Well, if, okay, come on. It's been like two days. If you don't know if uh, who's the women's champion at this point, then no, 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 no. Who who knows what's gonna happen? Who knows what kind of character Soraya is gonna play? Or right. What kind of role how, she's how, gonna how have? How often is she going to wrestle? Right. Where do we go from here? Are we is she gonna have a special attraction wrestler like uh, like uh, like uh, uh, Brock Lesnar was? Right. You know, something like that. So we'll see. Right. And I think Who that's knows? kind of where we are. Um, it was the suplex DDT thing for Soraya to win the match. Um, at the very least, they walked away under their own power and nobody got seriously hurt. But that's going to be my concern basically with Soraya from this point on. Yeah. And I think overall, that's everybody's concern. Right. Because sometimes these women in this division get a little overzealous of yeah. what they can do physically. And I'm sorry, this is not a knock on all women's wrestling, but this division is reckless. Yes. And certain Soraya, characters are reckless. Yes. And you have to be very careful with what Soraya is going to do. You had a good outing at first. Where do you go from here? Right. Let's see. Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Samoa Joe for the AEW TNT champion. Uh, a fun, I, a fun Haas match. Weird decision on winner. Orange Cassidy thumbs up yep. because of the decision, but the match itself was 
exactly what you expected. And you know what? It was fun. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Samoa Joe did not have to be included in this fucking at all. No. He was the worst part of this match. Oh, yeah, he was. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, good. Yeah. He, he did very well in this. And he worked really well with Wardlow. Yes. And I'm like, come so on. So make this majestic and take Samoa Joe out of the match. Yep, take Samoa Joe out of this. Maybe have him turn heel here and ruin the match for everybody. Right. That's how you get him over as a heel instead of how they did it with a random attack on a random show and then, oh, triple threat. But they had to take – I don't know why they don't want to put the title on Hobbs. I don't get it. He did fine. You know? You could have done this, but no. Samoa Joe had to do the Kinkita Clutch on Hobbs, and Samoa Joe is now the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, and now the TNT Champion. Are we doing a title unification? I don't know. What are we doing here? Who knows? But yeah, Orange Cassidy thumbs up because of the weird ending and also the fact that Samoa Joe's in this match fucking at all. Right. Were they worried that nobody was going to pay attention to this match? People would have been fine with it. Right. Like, Nobody's buying the show for the TNT Championship match. Right. They buy it for the main event. Right. Another another match that shouldn't have fucking happened at all. I'm give this an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm giving down. it a full thumbs down. Uh, Sting and Darby Allin taking on Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. God Worst damn. match of the night. Oh, and then it was a notice qualification, false count anywhere match, and then they go into the ring and do just... Moves. Yeah, pretty much. That's literally what this was. Right. This was so stupid. Sting is wearing now like three layers of clothing because he is so badly out of shape. Right. Jeff Jarrett, bless his goddamn heart, he still looks good for his age, but there's no reason for him to wrestle right. at this point. Be a manager, do something else, don't wrestle. Right. I'm done with it. Jay Lethal was pretty much the workhorse here because Darby Allen. I'll, I'll, I'm sorry, he did pretty much nothing for me. Yeah. He's, the, the whole Darby Allen thing is, that bloom is off the rose for me. Yeah. Jay Lethal's been on TV constantly. He's been winning constantly. So then Darby, why did he have to lose? Right. I don't. That's the other thing. Like, why did Coffin drop on Lethal? That's how the baby faces won. Jeff Jarrett could have eaten this pin and would have been totally fine. Exactly. It was so stupid. Yeah. What a ridiculous match. Anyway, uh, let's go to Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter for the AEW interim. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm going to give it a full thumbs up because I thought that a couple of times I'm like, oh, pleasantly surprised, pleasantly surprised, pleasantly surprised. All right, Jamie Hayter looks, looked good in this match. She really did. And uh, Tony Storm, bless her heart. Excuse me. Uh, I hate the fact that it's still the interim. Yeah. Yeah. Strip the title from Rosa. Yeah. When is she coming back? Are we going to have a fucking year with Thunder Rosa out and still be the champion? Right. Like, what are, we, what are we doing here? Right. You know, you guys stripped the Elite and Punk from the fight, and that was only like a month. Right. But then you have official champions now. But with this, you don't. Right. So it's it's ridiculous that these women are fighting over... I'm sorry, this is a paper champion. Right, that's pretty much what this it is. This is a paper champion. I'm not even going to call it the interim. I'm calling it the AEW Paper Women's World Champion. Right. Because they're not the world champion. Right. It's ridiculous. At the very least, they gave it to Hater, who yes. is the most popular women's star other than maybe Soraya. Right. And it was the short-armed lariat for Hater to finally win the championship. At least it was a feel-good moment, but yep. once again, paper champion overall. 
about this match. I love the story with this. I do too, but Keith Lee just keeps getting bigger, man. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, not, uh, he's in, in not in a good way. No. Um, but, yeah, this match just happened. The rap from Max was pretty good. Well, uh, it always is. Eh, not always. Okay. Uh, the Dynamite one was kind of shit. But, but I don't, I don't watch Dynamite, better. so. I do, unfortunately. But, so, the acclaimed are so goddamn popular. I think they're the most popular act within AEW. I think even more than MJF. Yeah. I mean, so many scissor, despite me not like the whole scissor me daddy shit. It's popular. It's popular. It's popular with the virgins, okay? There would be fans, yeah. Um, anyways, the virgins. Uh, Swerve for your glory is... They know they're no longer a thing. I liked how they did that, too. Yes, I did. Highlighted well. It was... It was expected. Keith Lee's like, nope, I'm done with this shit. Have fun. Then that's how. Right. That's how the acclaimed won. It was a suplex thing for them to win, to retain. Fun match. Overall, I'm gonna give it a full thumbs up. Yep. Full I liked up. it. And now our main event for the AEW World Champion, John Moxley taking on MJF. Thank God MJF is champion. I'm going to give it a thumbs up, though. I'm going to give it a full thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that despite the build to it, yeah. the match kind of fell flat for me. It wasn't as, I don't know. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't that magic. It was, yes, it wasn't that magic. CM Punk and MJF had an all-time classic. Mm-hmm. There was that magic. Mm-hmm. This was not there. Right. And, unfor- and that's unfortunate because this was a long time coming for right, MJF. Right, for MJF to finally become the world champion. Right, and I think they did this strategically because they want to keep MJF around. Right. He's not going to, but bless their hearts for trying. Um, I do like the ending. Where it goes is where I'm curious. And I think that's what the intention is where William Regal – Gave MJF the cuffs. Right. Knockout shot. MJF wins. Does that mean Blackpool Combat Club is no longer a thing? Right. Like, what's going to happen there? Right. Well, I think officially William Regal has left Blackpool Combat Club. But he's. Uh, then, then what's the point of having them all together? Because William Regal's the only association with Blackpool within it. I don't know. So, what do we do from there? But at the same time. Where does where's the association with MJF and William Regal? Right. But at the same time, does MJF really need William Regal? I don't know. I I don't think he does. He's already credible. He's the world. He's the world champion. He's the best promo. Right. Where Where do you see William Regal adding more value to MJF? You don't. So the reason that Lesnar and Heyman worked really well is because Brock Lesnar was not the biggest guy with promos. Right. Now he is. Right. That's why Heyman's not with him anymore. Exactly. So um, overall, I still like the ending. Um, MJF, feel good moment for everybody pretty much. Yep. I'm going to give – I'm actually going to pay for you a full thumbs up. I am as well. I thought it was a good pay-per-view. Yeah, but that historic, that historic crossover really took the cake on just amazing stuff yep. all the way around. They're building the Wrestle Kingdom. There's direction, and I'm excited yep. for it. AEW, I think, is just starting to build they, direction again. Because they had to pull up a thumbs up at, at worst. Right. And I think they really showed up here. So yeah. I'm very happy. And I think that's like the one thing is we don't – I don't narc on AEW because I hate AEW. I narc on it when it sucks. Right. And if everything sucks, everything sucks. But this – no, nothing really stood out to me as suckage. Right. 
other than maybe the pre-show, but that's whatever. That's right. pre-show. Uh, like when when the chips were down, when everything was on the line, they pulled it off. Right. Also, Revolution is going to be in um, in San Fran. They're going to be at uh, the Chase Center. Uh, I thought you said. I thought they were going to be at the Cow Palace. I think no. I think they're at the Chase Center. Oh, okay. So anyway. Um, Overall, just a good a good weekend of wrestling. Yes, I'm very happy. About Next it. weekend, though, we got some more wrestling. We do. We have Survivor Series War Games. Nice. So, if you did enjoy this, remember to like, subscribe, or follow, depending where you're listening or watching this on. Become a patron. There will be a link down below or at the QR code right next to me, right here. Also, get a hat. There will be a link as well for that. And as always, be majestic. majestic.